Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. Anyone wish everything in life came with a manual? Like just an instruction manual. Do these 10 things, stuff will turn out right. I wish my kids came with an instruction manual. Come on. They were born, the nurse handed you your boy or your girl, and an instruction manual. Just do these 10 things, then everything will turn out. Come on, anyone, anyone looked at your children like, what the heck am I doing? I feel so far out of Marriage. Anyone think marriage should come with an instruction manual? Yeah, yeah, I think everyone should come with an instruction manual. I remember when Amanda and I first got married, we bought a dining room table. If I could add anything to the Bible, I know you're not supposed to, but if I could add anything to the Bible, it would be, and the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy and create flat pack furniture. <laughs> it's in the Amplified. Read it. Go and grab it. It's right there. You probably missed it and overlooked it. But we bought a flat pack dining room table that had four legs, one top, and a book of 40 pages of instructions. I'm like, who needs 40 pages for four legs and one top? Forget that. So I just kind of got about making the dining room table. It was one of those ones where all of the legs came to a point and then the table itself sat on, on the top. So they all kind of came into a point. The table itself sat on top. So I'm, I'm building. I'm not the most practical guy in the world. Uh, I can fix anything. I can call a guy. That's what I do. I call someone. I don't, I'm, I'm not DIY. I'm DI someone else. That's what I am. So building a table is a big deal for me. So I built this table. Get to the point where you put the top on only to realize that page two of the instruction, if I had read it, told me you put this little claw in the middle that then you uh, put at the top of the legs and then you put the tabletop on top and the screws for the tabletop screw into the claw. If you thought I was going back 40 pages just to put a claw in, not going to happen. So we precariously balanced the top of the table on the top of the... If people came over, we'd be like, don't lean too hard. You might end up with all of your dinner in your lap. Just don't lean too hard. Then we had kids and spirit of responsibility came upon me, so I pulled the whole thing apart, put the claw in, fixed it all. I wish life came with a manual because what I've learned is the first couple of pages really matter. What you do at the start really matters. Uh, life is 32 years old. We just celebrated our 32nd birthday uh, just earlier this month, and you know, life was born out of a word from God. Life was born because God nudged a couple who were probably a little bit more naive back then, but God nudged a couple called Pastor Paul and Pastor Marie. They had eight, not, not eight kids under three, that would be impossible. They had three kids under eight. They had three kids under eight and they moved from Australia to start what is now known as life. And it started with a word from God. You know, life looks a little bit different. We've got a few more campuses no longer do Sundays look like the teacher's training college with Pastor Paul on a guitar. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, looks a little bit different, but can I tell you the foundation of what life started on is still the same today. We need Him. We need His Word. We need His leading. We need His guiding. We need His revelation to move forward into all that God has. We need to start with God. I was reading the book of Proverbs, and this is what Solomon says. These are the wise sayings of Solomon. David's son, Israel's king, written down so we will know how to live well and right. Anyone want to live well and right? To understand what life means and where it's going. I don't know, nothing like the last three years to underline that. To understand what life means and where it's going. A manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair. 
to teach the inexperienced the ropes. You know, life has a way of making me feel regularly that I'm inexperienced. Like seasons change and all of a sudden I feel inexperienced again. Like I get married and uh, let's start at dating. I start dating and feel very inexperienced at that whole gig. So once I start to get, I'm like, I'm getting the hang of this dating thing. We get married. I'm like, I'm inexperienced at being married. Once I start to get a hang of this whole marriage thing, she wants a kid. So we have a kid and all of a sudden I feel inexperienced again. And then we have two kids, and I feel inexperienced again. And then I start a job that I've never had, and I feel inexperienced again. And then I get a promotion and take on different responsibility, and I feel inexperienced again. And then my kids start dating, and they start, and I feel really inexperienced again. Just ask their boyfriends. And then one of them leaves our country and goes to move and live in Adelaide, and I feel really inexperienced. And Then for the first time in 25 years, Amanda's parents decide to retire and move into the same city we live in. We have never lived in the same city as family in 25 years of marriage. And now we're navigating what that looks like. And now I feel inexperienced again. Whether you are early on in the journey of life or whether you've done a bit of life, we are always facing seasons where we feel inexperienced. But the Bible says it's a manual for living. It doesn't matter whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50 or 60, 70. 80 or 90, there is stuff in here for you to teach the inexperienced the ropes, to give our young people a grasp on reality. If you are under 25, look at me right now. Do not look to the world to get a grasp on reality. Look to the word to get a grasp on reality. It is foundational. It is sure. It is true. It will stand the test of time. There's something also here for the seasoned men and women. Still a thing or two for the experience to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate. The rhymes and reasons of wise men and and women. Here it is. Start with God. Start with God is the first step in learning. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Have you ever experienced the conundrum that if one part of my world is going well, then it feels like I'm cheating another part of my world? Let me me unpack that with you. I remember when we first started out and we were, Amanda and I, we feel like the call of God in our life is to build his house. And that's what we do as a job. Uh, We build his house. But like any other job, once you get in there, you have no idea what you're doing. Takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of energy to learn. doing your first wedding, doing your first funeral, walking people through their first major pastoral care, learning how to build teams and inspire volunteers. It's like every other job. There's stuff you've got to learn. There's stuff you've got to go through. And then in amongst all that, within three years of marriage, we had our first child and we were living overseas at the time. So we had no family help. And I felt like I was crushing it in my job. I felt like it was going well and I was building something of significance, felt really good over here, only to feel like if I put a whole heap of energy over here, am I giving home enough time? Come on, anyone ever felt like that? Just me. I feel like the only alcoholic confessing at an AA meeting right now. This is awesome. So then I put all my effort and energy in home only to feel like, man, I, I need to be putting more effort and energy in at work. And, 
And life can often feel like this game of whack-a-mole. You ever played whack-a-mole? Those things at the arcades where you get a bat and a mole hops up and you hit that one only to find another one. Hops up over here, you hit that one only to find another one. Hops up and you hit that one. Or a seesaw. I'm doing well in one side, and, but it's going down in the other side. And it, you know, the Bible says that if we start with God in every area of our life, it levels stuff out. If I start with God in my home life, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my finances, in my career, if I start with God everywhere, then I get off the seesaw and I start building a life that honors Him. So start with God. This year, Pastor Luke has bannered our year, come follow me. Spoiler alert, it's not a 2023 banner, it's the posture of a Christian. That we need to follow Him in every area, in my internal world, follow Him. In my finances, follow Him. In my commitment to whatever God's asked me to do, I follow Him. And come follow me is not going to end at Christmas time. It, come follow me really is us posturing ourselves and reminding ourselves that life is about following one man. His name is Jesus and He has got a plan and a purpose for our life. So what would it look like if we started with God? Matthew 6.33 puts it this way, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. You know, I've found in my own life, so many times I've fallen into the trap of seeking all of these things, rather than seeking first His kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, there is a great writer Mark Sayers, he is a podcaster, he says this, we can easily get caught up in wanting the kingdom without the king. Whereas God first priorities, prioritizes the kingdom rather than our kingdom. You know, Solomon, who we are reading of, there's an account in the Old Testament where God comes to Solomon, he gives him choice. He says, you can have wisdom, you can have influence or you can have riches which one do you want I often think about what would it look like if God came to someone in the 21st century and said you can have wisdom you can have influence or you can have money I wonder how we'd answer living in Auckland which is one of the most expensive cities in the world to live in would we gravitate towards riches in a world that celebrates fame, would we gravitate towards influence? Maybe I can use my influence in a good way. But the Bible says that Solomon chose wisdom. And because he chose wisdom, he got influence and riches anyhow. It's amazing how we seek God first and all these things will be added unto you. Because God knows if I seek him first, I'll use the wisdom and I'll use the riches in a way that builds his kingdom, doesn't become a distraction for me in his kingdom. So I wonder what it would look like if all of us made a commitment to start with God. Well, how do I start with, how do I start with God in my marriage? How do I start with God in my relationships? How do I start with God in my career or my job or my internal world? What does it look like to start with God? I think the answer of how we start with God is in the question. To start with Him figuratively, we need to start with Him literally. Point number one, every day, start with God. When a new day begins, 
what would it look like if we made a commitment to begin it spending some time with him? You know, every day we're spending time like we spend money. What would it look like if we spent the first portion of our day saying, Jesus, I want you in this day. I need your presence. I need your leading. I need your guiding. What would it look like if we didn't start the day with anything else but him? Because here's my thought. What we start with, we are shaped by. What we start with, we are shaped by. If you start with the New Zealand Herald, you're going to be bipolar. Because it's bipolar. You ever read that thing? Like, honestly, wettest in decades. We had so much rain. It's horrendous and it's so bad. And now they're saying it's going to be the driest summer. We're going to have a drought and there's an El Nino coming and don't use water. And like, come on, make your mind up. You can't have both. What if we start with social media? Well, it's going to get real quiet. And all of a sudden we're shaped by our friends' highlight reels. Oh, look, they've got their kids all together. No, they took 48 pictures to get their kids looking all together. Oh, awesome. I've got the toughest week ever. And my mate's in Bali. God bless him. Hope he has the fantastic time. Hope it rains every day and a tornado comes through. And I like, like we, we are shaped by what we start with. When I begin my day with Jesus, when I begin my day saying, Jesus, would you fill me? Would you present yourself with me? I'm a better version of me for my wife, for my kids, for the team I work with, for the people I invest my life into. When I start with him, it changes everything. Manna and I have made a commitment these last couple of weeks, some weeks we're doing well, some weeks we're not doing so well. So keep me accountable, give you full permission. We are going on the journey of parenting our phone. Come on. We're going to tell it when to go to bed. We're going to tell it when to wake up. We're going to tell it when it needs attention. We're not going to bow to it. We are going to tell it. Pastor Coral, I think, preached a message a few weeks back, and one of her illustrations was 87% of people live with their phone by their bed. Guilty! So Amanda and I bought some old-school alarm clocks, which is horrific to wake up to, (laughs) because you can't program shout to the Lord for it to wake you up like real quietly. You wake up to... Like, wake the whole neighborhood up. But you know what? I'm parenting. My- yeah, but what if someone needs to get a hold of me? I can hear it ringing from the kitchen. It doesn't need to be that close. It doesn't need a little pat. It doesn't need a little kiss goodnight. I'm going to parent my phone and put that thing to bed. And I bought a brand new paper Bible. Remember those things? Yeah, but my Bible's on my phone. Well, if you've got more discipline than I do and you can use your phone, have at it. I don't. Well, where do I start? Why don't you just start by reading whatever psalm matches the date? So it's the 29th of October, tomorrow's the 30th, read Psalm 30. And then on the 1st of November, read Psalm 1 and then Psalm 2. And just start there, start somewhere. Let's commit to starting our day with God. Parent our phone, tell it when to go to bed, tell it when to wake up. Yeah, but when I read the word, nothing, I don't, nothing, nothing happens when I read the word. I promise you, the psalmist says, your word have I hidden in my heart so that at the right time it can come out. 
Trust me, you read the word, there's going to come a day in your future where something comes out. You're like, where did that come from? It came from parenting your phone, buying an old school alarm clock and getting Jesus into you. Let's start every day with the presence of God. G.K. Chesterton says this, the riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of man. Here's, Here's one for you. Worship is not a feeling that produces actions. Worship is an action that sometimes produces feelings. What would it look like if we started every day worshiping God just because He deserves it? Well, I don't feel like it at 5.30 in the morning. Well, neither do I, but He is still sovereign. He's still above. He's still all-powerful. He is still majestic. He is still love. He is still grace. I'm still grateful He saved me. I'm still grateful He's with me. I'm still grateful He provides for me. What if we made a decision to worship without the feelings and then sometimes we got feelings? Say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to start this day with you. So number one, start every day with God. Number two, start every decision with God. What if we started with God when it came to every decision? Where do I live? Start with God. Who do I marry? I understand there are a lot of people's journeys, and I I get it. I've got a friend of mine really close who is believing God for a life partner. But please don't get so desperate that you take anything with a heartbeat. Because that never ends well. Don't jump into a relationship and say, God bless it. Before you get into a relationship, say, God, is this of you? Let's start with God in every decision. Like, where do I live and who do I marry and what job do I do? And do I give the warriors another shot in 2024? Like, too soon? Do I become a Springbok supporter next year? Too soon? Really too soon? Like, my bad. (laughs) Every decision, start with God. We should think, What does God think about this before anything else? We should start with God, not end with God. It's going to get a little quiet in here. Because I want to talk about a phenomenon that's happening. So many people are making decisions in which country they live in based on things that are not God first. So I've had probably a dozen... now. Let me lay this found word. If God is saying something and nudging you, I'll drive you to the airport. Like if it's in obedience to what God is saying, then you go and you do it. I'm going to pray the blessing. Amanda and I moved to America on a word from God. But in the last probably six months, I've had 12 discussions that I can remember. One of them, when I said, why are you moving? Said, because we feel this is God. You know what? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do everything I can to help you flourish over there. The rest of them are things like, well, I'm going to move to, same place everyone's moving. I'm going to move to Queensland because house prices are cheaper, gas prices are cheaper, and there's more sun. You're going to uproot from where God's put you in community to buy a cheaper house, to save $6.70 on gas a week. And because it's sunny, buy an umbrella. (laughs) Listen, if it was a natural decision, I'd be on the plane with you. Because I'd like to buy a much nicer house than I have to pay for here for my little three-bedroom brick-and-tile house. I'd love to pay cheaper gas, and I, 
Lord knows I want more sun. But all those are below the line factors. The above the line factor is where does God want me seated and putting roots down to build community and strength so that I can flourish because $6.70 saved on gas is not going to help your kids flourish in the things of God. Say, God, where do you want me positioned? Where do you want me planted? Where do you want? Let's start with God. How many of my decisions reflect God following me rather than me following God? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16. Hey, I've been with you for three years, he said to his disciples. So every time you make a decision, you've just asked me and I've told you what I thought. But I'm about to go to the Father. But good news, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. John 16, who will take you by the hand. That's relationship. And he will lead you into all the Father has for you. Everything that is of the Father, He's given me access to, and I want to give you access to everything of me through the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that whatever God has for you, you've got access to through the person of the Holy Spirit? When it comes to job, when it comes to finance, when it comes to challenge, you've got access to all of heaven through the person of the Holy Because Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will take you by the hand and lead you into the truth. The challenge is, in my own life, oftentimes, Taking the Holy Spirit by the hand. He's not that tall. Taking the Holy Spirit by the hand. This happens. I begin to, hey, we're going here. Could you bless it? I'm going to make this decision. Could you bless it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with it this way. Can you bless it? I've got some challenge. Can you bless Whereas what, it, what the Bible is saying, what Jesus said is he will take you by the hand. Some of us, it's as simple as going, Holy Spirit, you take the lead. And lead me into what the Father has for me friend God loves you God's got a good plan for you but let's bring him into every decision that we make so number one every day number two every decision number three every disagreement anyone ever had a disagreement not going to put your hand up because you're sitting next to him <laughs> come on anyone ever had a disagreement Pete I know you've had it actually Chris, I know you've had a disagreement. Come on, every disagreement. What if we started with God? We can do a whole bunch of things in a disagreement that we regret. We do a whole bunch. We do a whole bunch of. I've done a whole bunch of things in disagreements that I regret that could have been avoided if I had to have started with God. Proverbs 19.11 says this, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and it's to his glory to overlook a transgression. We are the only created being that can overlook transgressions. Because we are the only created being who are created in the image of God. You're like, well, that's a big statement. I'll prove it to you. Go to the Auckland Zoo and slap a tiger in the mouth. What you're not going to get is, I'm going to turn the other cheek. (laughs) That's not what you're going to get. There is nothing else in all of creation that has the choice ability to overlook a transgression. And the Bible says when we do, we bring glory to God. Disagreements have the power to either create healthy solutions and a better connection with God or to create division and bitterness of heart. But we need to start disagreements with God. 
yeah, but what about the other person? The other person's not your problem. But I can say, God, what do you want me to do? You know when that's really hard? When you're the one that's been offended. Yeah, but I shouldn't do anything. They should say sorry to me. Yes, they should. But what I can do is I can start my posture. God, with my hurt and my disappointment, I'm going to start with you. What do you want me to do? I wonder what life would look like if we brought God into disagreement. Rather than jumping on social media, don't do that. Because we can react when emotions are high. But I've found if I react when emotions are high, then when emotions are lower, regret heightens. So let's say, God, even in the midst, in the, in the, in the middle of the disappointment, Holy Spirit, you lead me and you guide me. So every day start with God. Every decision start with God. Every disagreement start with God. And lastly, every difficulty start with God. Do you know when difficult times come? Anyone ever been through a difficult time? Ain't no one raising any hands this morning, are they? This, this message is hitting home because no one's relating to it at all. If we don't start with God in difficult times, we end up asking questions like, God, are you real? God, are you actually there? Do you care? But when we start with God, we end up posturing ourselves to saying, God, my answer to this difficult situation is found in my connection with you, not my accusation of you. And so many Christians, myself included, have started a difficult time with, I don't understand any of this. I remember when Pastor Paul was diagnosed two years ago, I just lost my father to cancer, maybe six months before that. And just like a whole bunch of us who were celebrating our founding pastor after 30 years, we're like, God, this isn't fair. How many thank God for our founding pastor and for the for the uh, diagnosis and the update we got like, thank God that He's moving and thank God. But that's a two-year journey that many of us, you like me, I'm sure, as well as Pastor Luke and Pastor Missy and the whole family have had times where we're like, God, this isn't fair. And you know what? You're right. But that doesn't help me in the moment. What helps me in the moment is, God, I'm going to start with you. In the midst of this difficult situation, what are you doing in this moment? Let's call out to God and let's seek Him, not just on the mountaintops, but in the valleys. Let's start with Him. Life's 32 years old. I could keep you, I've been here 18 of those. I could keep you here till the 6 p.m. tonight telling you all the difficult things that we've had to overcome as a church to get to where we are today. And you know what? Without being a prophet of doom, there'll be more of them in the future because we are a church that believes in the kingdom taking ground. And when the kingdom takes ground, someone's losing ground, there's gonna be some opposition. But what if in the midst of every difficult circumstance, we say, God, what are you doing? God, you've got a way through this. And I wonder today how many of us we're facing a decision. I'm going to encourage you, pause. And say, God, what's your thoughts on this? Maybe others of us, we're going through a disagreement. That we don't see eye to eye with maybe a family member or a co-worker or a neighbor. Rather than 
rather than just letting emotions take over or strategically plotting. You ever walked away from a conversation and you've had instant regret? You're like, man, if I could go back there, if I said that, that would have won it. Come on, anyone guilty of that? Man, if I could have just been a bit quicker on my feet, I would have had the perfect response, would have shut him down. Come on, anyone else? Team, you're making me feel real bad. Come on, anyone else? Right? If I just reminded them of that time they failed me, that would have won it in a moment. Holy Spirit, bridle my tongue. Bridle my response. And how do we use this? Because your word says you can bring good out of all things. Last time I checked, a difficult situation was in the bucket of all things. So God, what are you doing? Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga, or why don't you join us at Church Online. To find out more about Life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.